words from John 21. Afterwards, Jesus appeared again to his disciples by the Sea of Tiberias. It happened this way. Simon Peter called Didymus. Simon Peter, Thomas called Didymus, Nathanael from Cana in Galilee, the sons of Zebedee, and two other disciples were together. I'm going out to fish, Simon Peter told them. And they said, we'll go with you. So they went out and got into the boat. But that night they caught nothing. Early in the morning, Jesus stood on the shore. But the disciples did not realize that it was Jesus. He called out to them, friends, haven't you caught any fish? No, they answered. He said, throw your net on the right side of the boat and you will find some. When they did, they were unable to haul the net in because of the large number of fish. Then the disciple, whom Jesus loved, said to Peter, It's the Lord. As soon as Simon Peter heard him say, It's the Lord, he wrapped his outer garment around him, for he had taken it off, and jumped into the water. The other disciples followed the boat, towing the net full of fish, for they were not far from shore, about a hundred yards. When they landed, they saw a fire of burning coals there with fish on it, and some bread. Jesus said to them, bring some of the fish you have just caught. Simon Peter climbed aboard and dragged the net ashore. It was full of large fish, 153, but even with so many, the net was not full. Jesus said to them, come and have breakfast. None of the uh, disciples dared ask him, who are you? They knew it was the Lord. Jesus came, took the bread and gave it to them and did the same with the fish. This was now the third time Jesus appeared to his disciples after he was raised from the dead. When they had finished eating, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you tr truly love me more than these? Yes, Lord, he said, you know I love you. Jesus said, feed my lambs. Again, Jesus said, Simon, son of John, do you truly love me? He answered, yes, Lord, you know I lo that I love you. Jesus said, take care of my sheep. The third time he said to him, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Peter was hurt because Jesus asked him the third time, do you love me? He, he asked, Lord, you know all things. You know that I love you. Jesus said, feed my sheep. I tell you the truth. When you were younger, you dressed yourself and went where you wanted. But when you are old, you will stretch out your hands and someone else will dress you and lead you where you do not want to go. Jesus said this to indicate the kind of death by which Peter would glorify God. Then he said to him, follow me. Peter turned and saw the disciple whom Jesus loved was following him. This was the one who had leaned back against Jesus at the supper and had said, Lord, who is going to betray you? When Peter saw him, he asked, Lord, what about him? Jesus answered, if I want him to remain alive until I return, what is that to you? You must follow me. Because of this, the rumor spread among the brothers that this disciple would not die. But Jesus did not say that he would not die. He only said, if I want him to remain alive until I return, what is that to you? This is the disciple who testifies to these things, and he wrote them down. We know that this, his testimony is true. Jesus did many other things as well. Every one of them were written down. I suppose that even the whole world would not have room for the books that would be written. John 21.
Before I speak, I'd like to say something. That was funny. Took you a while? There you go. Um, I just want to say that I'm thankful for the many prayers that have been offered for me in the last year. Um, I said it a few times periodically, but I want to say it again. It means a great deal to me, and you keep telling me that you're praying. And so I thank you for that. And I also just want to mention that Pastor Gary is doing a phenomenal job. So, yeah. A story. The first time Jesus appeared to us after his resurrection was the evening of the day the women first told us of his absence from the tomb. Peter and I had run to the tomb and found it abandoned, but we weren't sure what to make of it. That day, we spent in the upper room, doors locked for fear that Jesus' enemies might now be looking for his followers. Then that evening, Jesus appeared to us, unannounced, the doors still locked and untouched, and there he stood. And we... I don't know, we were glad, we were afraid. The figure that stood before us was undoubtedly Jesus, but he was, well, like he was on the mountain that one time. Next time Jesus appeared, Thomas was with us. He hadn't been there the first time either and hadn't believed us unless I put my finger on the nail marks and put my hand where the spear went in, I won't believe, he said. But now, eight days later, Jesus showed up in the same way, unannounced and despite locked doors. He approached Thomas and said, put your fingers here and put your hand right here. And then Thomas said what we were all thinking, my Lord and my God. The third time he appeared was back home. Capernaum on the shores of the Galilean Sea. Home? Oh, yes and no. I mean, everyone, everything was familiar. The sea calmed one day, a raging storm the next. The ever-present boats aligned along the beaches. That road to Kenan, the shoemaker's shop. That one to Jared's linen store, still the best in the North Country, by the way. We had lunch at Peter's mother-in-law's house, just as we had at the very beginning, and then there was our house, James and I had been born in. But everything was different somehow, or I guess we were different. From here, we had gone to Jerusalem with Jesus. We thought we were going to see him take the crown of Israel for himself. He entered Jerusalem acclaimed as a king, Five days later, though, while the city slept, his enemies had him arrested and tried and brought before Pilate, and Jerusalem awoke to find Jesus on the road to being crucified. And then, boom, resurrection. Now, at Jesus' command, we were back in Galilee, 
and we saw everything with new eyes. We had walked with God for three years, and there goes Kenan selling his shoes. We were going stir-crazy, wanting to tell people about Jesus' resurrection, but feeling like we couldn't. I mean, who would believe it? Peter especially felt it. So I was not surprised when before very long, walking along the beach one evening, he simply announced, I'm going fishing. And the six of us who were with him breathed a sigh of relief as if we all had been waiting for something to do. We borrowed a boat from my father's outfit and within 15 minutes were afloat on the water and heading out to sea. Three professional fishermen and four just along for ride. We fished all night without catching anything, but I don't think Peter cared. Just to be out on the water was good enough for him. Morning came, and pretty tired but happy, we headed the boat back to shore. When we got about 100 meters from the shore, we noticed a man on the beach. We know it was Jesus now, but then we couldn't quite make out who it was. He shouted out to us, Children, do you have any fish? Children, odd way to address us, that from such a young man. We, of course, said no. The young man called back, Cast the net on the right side of the boat, and you will find some. Well, I had heard that before. And a closer look at the man on the beach confirmed my suspicions. The day we first heard the words, Follow me, from the lips of Jesus, he had done exactly the same thing. And I turned to Peter, expecting the same excitement from him, but instead, I found him preparing the net for a final cast. He had no idea. So I just silently joined him in his work and waited for the light to come on. And Peter glanced at me and said, what are you smiling at? I didn't answer, but he, uh, and he just looked at me and shook his head and continued his task. We cast the net and let it sink. And then Peter began to haul it in. Then his face was filled with surprise when he felt the weight of the net and had to suddenly tighten his muscles with the task of pulling it in. I think I was the only one not surprised by our inability to pull the net on the boat because there were too many fish. And Peter looked at me, the light coming on for him too. It is the Lord, I said. And Peter dropped what he was doing, and James and I had to suddenly support the weight of the net by ourselves. He grabbed his cloak and it was in the sea before I had the chance to say, Ha! I'm known for 15 minutes. Jesus had built a fire. And when we got on shore, I found Peter staring at it. It was a charcoal fire. The last time he'd seen a charcoal fire was in the high priest's courtyard just three or four weeks before. There, he had denied that he even, know, even knew who Jesus was. Not once, but three times. You could tell he was thinking about that night. The rest of us were staring at Jesus. 
he was the same, only he was different, you know? We're struck again by his glory, but glory is the wrong way to put it, too earthly. But there is no other word to use. There is something about him, that's all. It was Jesus. There was no doubt about that. It was the Lord. He gave us fish, prepared some of what he, we had caught, and gave us bread, too. And we enjoyed the best breakfast we ever had. Imagine God cooking your breakfast. After a while, though, Jesus rose, stretched, and then said to Peter, Let's go for a walk. Peter hesitated, looking at the ground, and then got up, and he and Jesus walked off together. I got to my feet a moment later and followed them, not close enough to join them, but close enough to hear. After some small, awkward talk on Peter's part, Jesus, as he did so often in the old days, changed the subject and cut to the chase. Simon, son of John, do you love me? Peter winced. Yes, Lord, you know I love you. Feed my lambs, Jesus said. Peter didn't know what that meant, but before he could ask, Jesus asked again, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Somewhat confused and dismayed by the repetition of the question, Simon answered again, Lord, you know that I love you. Feed my sheep, Jesus said. And suddenly Peter thought, was Jesus going away? Was Jesus asking him to assume the role of leadership of feeding the apostles? It couldn't be. Then Jesus stopped, and Peter did too. Jesus looked Peter square in the face. Simon, son of John, do you love me? Three times, do you love me? To erase the three times Peter had been asked, do you know him? I saw Simon's face. It had grown desperate. He was grieved that Jesus had asked him a third time, do you love me? And his thoughts led him back to the charcoal fire in the priest's courtyard. Once more, he's being asked, do you know him? But Jesus was not asking, do you know him, but do you love me? And Peter knew his words didn't mean much. When asked, do you know him? He said, no, but he did and loved him. Now he's being asked, do you love me? He could answer, yes, but what, would, what did that mean? If Jesus could only see his heart. With tears in his eyes, he said, Lord, you know all things. You know I love you. Jesus smiled and hugged Peter, and Peter looked like a weight had been lifted off his shoulders, a weight that he'd been carrying for the last several weeks since that, since that night in the courtyard. And Peter began to sob, and Jesus continued to hold him. They stood there like that for what seemed like a long time until Peter's crying had ceased. Jesus again said, feed my sheep. But then he added these words. But truly, we wanted to say to you, 
that when you were young, you used to dress yourself and walk where you wanted to. But when you are old, you will stretch out your hand and someone else will dress you and you will walk where you don't want to go. By this, by the way, Jesus was speaking of Peter's death. And then Jesus said, follow me. In other words, Jesus said, now you know what these words mean. It means take care of my people. But it means leading as a servant. It means doing what I did. It means take up your cross and follow me. Now that you really know what follow me means, follow me. I knew then, and Peter knew too, that this whole affair was for Peter. The miraculous catch of fish, the call to follow me, just as Peter experienced on the first day on this very beach, even the charcoal fire, it was all staged for Peter. Jesus' words were softly spoken, but it was not an invitation, nor was it a command. Jesus just said it, knowing Peter would follow. And Peter knew what a privilege it was. He who had denied Jesus three times just a few weeks ago was now being asked to lead the disciples and to give all as he did so. Then Peter turned and for the first time saw me. He pointed at me and said, And what about this man? But Jesus replied, If it be my will that he remain until I come, what business is that of yours? We're not talking about him. We're talking about you. Follow me. And with that, we went back to the fire. That's how John might have seen it. One of Jesus' first two disciples, one of the inner three with Peter and James, Jesus' best friend, that was John. If you would have been a fly on the wall, how would you have seen it? Because the Bible text, like so many others, is not just here to tell the story, but it's about us, too. It's about Peter, sure. Jesus is not calling each one of us to lead the church. He's certainly not prophesying his own death, our own death. But the way he relates to Peter is the same way he relates to us. For example, no sin is too great to be forgiven. No sin is too great to be forgiven. Imagine the guilt that Peter carried. Imagine your best friend. Just a week ago, you had laughed together as you left the movie theater. A year ago, when you were in financial straits, he helped you until you got your feet under you again. Now, suppose that he is in trouble with the law. He's absolutely innocent, and the legal system knew it, but they just wanted him out of the way and were pushing for his execution. Suppose you're in the courtroom as a spectator, and the prosecuting attorney stands up and says, 
calls for anyone who knows this guy to stand up and advocate for him. And what do you do? He's looking at you, pleading for help, and you say, I've never heard of him, and leave the courtroom. That's Peter. I don't know if you feel like you've done the unforgivable sin. You know what it is. I don't want to start listing them in case you say it made Ken's top ten list. He thinks it's an unforgivable sin too. But I don't care what it is. We're all sinners before a holy God. We're all sinners on the equal plane. Sin is the same. Jesus died for all sin. Not for some sins. Let me tell you the truth. Jesus died on that cross for your sins. All the way you have said, I'm my own Lord. No matter how deliberately you did it, no matter how bad you did it, He gave His life of infinite worth for our infinite sin. Is there something lacking? Do you think you need to add to what Christ has done? And if you point to the cross and you say, I'm not my Lord, he is Lord. That's what we mean by believing in Jesus, by the way. If you say he is Lord, then your sins are forgiven. And if you believe that the sins of the person on your right and on your left are forgiven, then you have to believe that your sins are forgiven. You have to. Mark Driscoll, pastor in Seattle, points out that if you don't believe your sins are forgiven, you place yourself above God. God says, you're forgiven. And you say, I'm not forgiven. Peter's sin was forgiven. And so it's yours. No sin is too great to be forgiven. Jesus also asked Peter, Do you love me? And he asked you, Do you love me? Now think about that. Don't spew out the answer. Do you love me, Peter? Oh, Lord, you know I do. Jesus asked again, Peter, do you love me? Yes, Lord, you know I do. But Peter, that Jesus doesn't let it go. Peter, do you love me? The text says Peter was hurt because Jesus asked him the third time, do you love me? Peter was almost certainly thinking about his threefold denier of Jesus. Oh, man. Yes, you know I do. I know I denied you. I can't excuse it. But I cried bitter tears over it afterwards. My heart was broken over what I did. You know all things. You know I love you. Do you love Jesus? We sang pretty evenly, easily of that this morning. But Jesus doesn't let it go. Do you love me? That's the question Jesus stands before us and asks, do you love him? That's the question. It's not, do you believe in an old earth or new earth? Not, do you believe in predestination or free will? 
Not, is all your theology correct? No, the question is, do you love me? And there's a warning here and an encouragement here as well. It's a warning for us who do not love Jesus. You might be here for the first time. You might have warmed your pew for, your pew for decades. You might be exploring Christianity, or you might think you've had it for several decades. What once you've heard was Jesus did for you. The Son of God left the glory of heaven, died in your place for your sins, to gain your forgiveness and to restore you to God his Father. Once you've heard that, that's the question. Do you love me? Because if you do love me, you spend your whole life seeking his honor above all else. If you love him, he gives life abundant and eternal. But if you do not, he give you eternity without him. And that's the definition of hell. And that's something you do not want to experience. But it's a word of encouragement too. Because I'll bet there are a good number of people here who feel like they don't love Jesus, but actually do. You don't think of him very often, but you wish you did. You don't obey him as you should, but you wish you did. You don't love him the way he loves you, but you wish you did. You're probably like Peter. You love him in weakness and even sin against him, but you do love him. And he knows all things. He knows you love him too. Then he calls Peter the same thing he calls to John and to me and to you. Follow me. Follow me. Peter had first heard those words three years ago, back at the beginning, Mark 1. As Jesus walked beside the Sea of Galilee, he saw Andrew and his brother Simon, who means nicknamed Peter, casting their nets into the lake, for they were fishermen. Come, follow me, Jesus said, and I will make you fishers of men. At once they left their nets and followed him. Now, follow me. Peter had once thought that meant follow me around, hear what I say, witness the things that I do, watch me as, a, as I make a name for myself, as I elevate Israel from under the Romans, and as I rule Israel. In the name of God. Now Peter understood. For how did Jesus lead? He led by coming to serve, not to be served. He led by obedience to his father to the point of death, even death on the cross. God is a God who brings glory through defeat. So follow me and lead my sheep to follow me. It's humility, not power. It's a way of suffering. It's a way of the cross. And Peter, one day you yourself will be put to death because of me. And it will be because you do know me. And you are proud to love me. So, come and follow me. I'm waiting to bet that John took those words to heart. And Peter, and so do we. 
What do those words mean to you? Follow me every day, letting me inform your choices, even when painful. Follow me at school, not being afraid to stand for what is right and true and honorable, no matter the cost. Follow me in marriage, humbly submitting yourself to the well-being of your spouse, even when they don't deserve it. Follow me at work, putting in a good, honest day's work when it's the last thing you feel like doing. Follow me across the seas, across the street, as I lead you to surrender your lives for those in need. Do what Jesus would have you do. But, but, do it because you know him. Do it because you love him. Doing it to score points with God doesn't work. Doing it out of obedience to God will only get you so far. Doing it out of love will go all the way and be glad to do so. Lay your life down, maybe literally. Maybe some of you will have to lay down your lives for your faith in Jesus. We all lay our lives down, putting it at the disposal of Jesus. That was, that's what Peter did from this day forward. He did it because he knew that no sin was too great to be forgiven. And because he loved Jesus. We do it because we know what Jesus did. That he bore the punishment we deserved for our, our sin in our place to gain our forgiveness. His infinite divine life given for our infinite debt of sin. And so for us too, no sin is too great to be forgiven. That's great. And so we too love him and we too follow him. Amen. Let me pray. Lord, it's hard to hard for us to understand your love for us. We cannot love you the way that you love us. But we love you. And we ask that you would help us to put that love into practice more and more. We can't do that. We can't love you unless we know your love for us. Help us to be aware so that we might follow you. In Jesus' name, amen.